Greetings, it's so good to be with you. I'm Joel. I was asked to preach on the importance of personal scripture consumption. And I invite you to turn to James 1 on your devices or in your Bibles, because James 1 is a fabulous help to encourage us to see this. How so, Joel? Well, let me give you an illustration from Donald Whitney to help us lean into our text. Imagine your six-year-old Kevin, and your parents just got you guitar lessons. And so now for one hour every day, you have to practice your chords, your strums, your notes, while you're watching your buddies out the window playing baseball. Day after day, strum after strum, chord after chord, note after note. What a drag. But then an angel drops in on Kevin and whisks him away to Carnegie Hall. And he finds himself front row, center seats, and he sees this most amazing guitarist. This guy is a virtuoso. He's playing scales and chords he's never seen. He's hearing the most wonderful music that he's ever heard his entire life. By the end of the song, he is standing up in the front row like you would be up on his chair, screaming and yelling. It's the greatest music. He's been just taken to heaven. Oh, and then he finds himself back in his living room. The vision's over. And the angel says, so Kevin, what do you think? And six-year-old Kevin lets out a slow, wow, who was that? And the angel says, Kevin, that's you. In a few years, keep practicing. Friends, do you think Kevin's attitude about his guitar playing is going to change at that point? (laughs) Yes. It's the same when you understand the goal of Bible intake. When your discipline has direction, it changes everything. Friends, James wants us to see who you are to become. So we're going to gladly do the work then of soaking in God's word. So let's take in James chapter 1, verses 17 to 27. I'm going to be using the ESV translation. Now hear the word of our God from James chapter 1, verses 17 to 27. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows, in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. 
grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Please pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, let's imagine another little boy. Any of you have sisters and brothers? A few of us? Yeah. He's grown up in a large family with a lot of sisters and brothers, but he had one brother who seemed to be just from another world. A brother who was just like perfect in every way. And by that I mean this boy never threw temper tantrums as a child. He ate all his vegetables, including his Brussels sprouts. He did every chore his parents asked the moment they asked it. He was always loving, spoke words of grace and respect to everyone. You watched him grow up tall and wise, and he was loved by God and men. If you were the James who wrote this letter, what would it have been like to hear as a boy, James, why can't you be more like your brother? Jesus. Can you imagine what it would be like to have Jesus as your half-brother? James was as privileged as anyone has ever been, being as closely related physically to the Messiah. And this letter is unique because I think Jesus' perfect life shaped his thinking as he was writing this letter. In fact, it opens with James telling believers that he's writing it with the goal of them becoming perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James wants you to see that God has given you a gift in your Bible. And he gave you that Bible in order to lead you to a glorious destiny. But you have to develop the discipline of consuming it regularly. I want us to pause just for a minute on that word, consume. You guys realize you grew up in a consumer culture. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Marketers spend trillions of dollars so that you will buy their products, invest in what they say, and they promise that you'll find significance, identity, purpose, meaning, and all these things. You and I will consume each and every day based on what we believe our destiny is. And they are promising you a destiny. And James wants us to pan out for a minute so that we can see there's something much greater than this world. He writes, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James starts off by describing God as the Father of lights. What does that mean? Anybody know? God is the one who made the stars. He stands outside time and space. Ever looked at the Hubble telescope and images on that? Go home and do that. It's absolutely fascinating. And James is saying that the God who holds the galaxy Andromeda in one hand also looks at this teeny tiny little planet Earth. And he looks at all of us and he's showering us with every good and perfect gift. God holds a special love for us. And it was his decision to make you his own, to bring those of us who were dead in this dark planet to life. How did he do it? Through the word of truth. That's our starting point. The father of the cosmos brought us forth by his word and made us his first fruit creatures. Look around at one another. Who are you? 
You are the start of the Father's new creation. Tomorrow, um, I'm going to be officiating a funeral. A lot of times we think about this is the land of the living. No, this is the land of the dying. I'll be preaching from John 11. Anybody remember what happens in John 11? Thank you. Lazarus died. And Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus. He tells them to roll away the stones. And yeah, I used to giggle when I heard this text when I was little because I, King James was our version. He had Martha saying, No, my Lord, he stinketh by now. It's been four days. And, and I love that Bible word, stinketh, and I'd use it on my sister all day long. Sorry for that. The glories of Elizabethan era English. Oh, you don't what you're missing out on. What does Jesus do when they roll apart the stone away? He speaks the word of truth to a dead man, and Lazarus comes forth, just showing us a hint, a picture of the new creation that he came to bring. The word of God brings those who stinketh, all of us, back to life. Why is this book important? James said it is God's gift to make you new. And now he says you need to know something as a new creation. He says, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear Slow to speak, slow to anger. There's a new rhythm that you are to live to. We're to be quick, slow, slow. That doesn't come naturally, friends. No, from birth we're wired the exact opposite. Slow, quick, quick, slow. I've got a two-year-old running around my house right now. I was trying to tell her to listen, and she just, eh, whatever. Very quick to speak. She speaks what my wife calls mini-knees. And she'll even do it while she's eating. She's stuffing her face. I'm not fluent in mini-knees. I'm trying my best. We are quick to speak. Anybody heard the term? Oh, he's quick a tongue. He's got a quick tongue, quick speech. Yeah. How many of you have been told you're slow to listen, slow to hear? Put on your listening ears, please. I say that all the time. And we're also quick with our tempers, right? Here, someone has a quick temper, a short fuse. That is the normal rhythm that everyone else is walking to. But James says we're supposed to have a different rhythm, a different rhythm. Slow, quick, quick is the rhythm of this world. Slow, quick, quick. It's actually what they try to teach me in elementary school. I had. I don't know if any of you got subjected to having to learn how to dance, pick a partner, and you dance in fifth grade. It was the worst thing for 10-year-old Joel. I was so embarrassed. Ah, quick, quick, slow. That was the steps we learned. Yeah, if they make you do that. I'll write a letter to your teachers. It was horrible, embarrassing. That rhythm is the old man's rhythm. We're supposed to be learning a new rhythm, and it requires supernatural power, and it requires the word. And by the way, James, I think, was a dancer. James was a dancer. You know the Jews, even practicing Jews to this day? They have a dance, and it's called the Torah dance. They take the scrolls in their hands, and they actually run around and they dance with these scrolls in their hands. And James had seen this his whole life, but for the first time, he saw someone step off the dance floor and continue to live to that new rhythm. His brother Jesus his brother Jesus. How did Jesus do it? How did he have that new rhythm? Quick, slow, 
slow. Anybody think that Jesus had the scriptures downloaded into his brain? No. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human like us. And we read about him. The prophecy in Isaiah 54, The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens my ear, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. This is a picture of Jesus getting up in the morning and putting on his listening ears. As a result, Jesus taking in God's word, listening to his father morning after morning, people could come up to him and dump their entire lives in his lap. You ever read the stories of Jesus and you're just amazed by how he is so gentle with people? When they come to him with his problems, does he say, stop talking, I've got all the answers? And No. Read John 4, longest conversation Jesus has with anybody in the Bible. Jesus was quick to hear, not just his father, but quick to hear people, slow to speak, slow to anger. And when Jesus got angry, you knew there was a good, righteous anger. Jesus, he was able to take a word and give it to a person that sustained the weary. That's why we are to live the same rhythm and to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and to receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save our souls. Like Lazarus, we put off the grave clothes, that old stuff, that stinky clothing that we used to wear, and we're to receive with meekness the implanted word. That's kind of strange. How do you receive something that's already implanted in you? My friend here offered me a donut and said, Joel, receive this donut. You look like you're running out of sugar. I took it and I ate the donut. I would say, thank you, and I'd receive it, and then I ate it. You wouldn't then say to me, friend, oh, receive that donut that you just ate from me. No, it's already implanted in me. What's going on here, James? So whatever James is saying, it cannot be like a donut. So what does James mean by receiving something that's already implanted? I think the implanted word, we can think of it like oxygen. Remember, we were corpses. And the Father of lights, he spoke the word, he resuscitated us, breathed life into us like oxygen. It's kind of quiet here. I'm looking around. I think you're all alive. I have a few questions about a guy or two over in that corner right now. Don't anybody die on me right now? You know, Eutyches died during a sermon, you know, once a teenage boy didn't listen and... No, I'm just kidding. They'll never invite me back if someone dies, so there's nobody dying me. But the reason I know you're alive is because you have oxygen in you. Every one of you has oxygen in you right now. You're living. Now, what if I walked up here and I said, hey to Gary, and I said, Gary, I'm going to stop breathing now because I breathed on the way up here. I've got oxygen in me. It's working fine. I don't need to breathe anymore. I've got implanted oxygen inside me. I'm going to hold my breath now. I'm going to stop now. Because you would think I'm nuts as I passed out on the floor. But aren't we prone to live like that? We hear a great sermon on Sunday and we're inspired by the word. Are you ever tempted? Or maybe you have gone a whole week then without breathing? We need to be taking in the word, which is already in us, keeping us alive, brought us to life. But we need to be in taking it every day. Going a day without reading your Bible should feel like trying to hold your breath for two minutes. And I know some of us can do that. 
but we cannot thrive that way. We can survive maybe, but that's no way. James says we're brought to life by the word, so we need to be receiving it regularly. And then he says, oh, we got to go on. We need to be doers of the word. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror and then goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being a no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. To be complete Christians, we need to be regularly in taking, but we also need to see the word as an active, active, busy thing in our lives. Any of you look in the mirror before you came to school today? All right, good, good. I did too, because I want to look pretty for you guys and everything. I did my best. I saw some areas I need to work on before I come here. James is saying, if you're laughing, I got something on my face. You tell me later. James is saying we simply can't read our Bibles in the morning and then walk away and forget what it revealed. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Now, some of us may be feeling discouraged by hearing that. Maybe you read your Bible this morning in five minutes. Do you ever walk away and five minutes later you just completely forgot what you read? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And we're discouraged. We're like, is this making any impact on my life? Well, my forgetful friend, let me first encourage you that you are actually going to bear more fruit than you're even seeing in knowing your life. God's at work in ways we don't see. But second, let me suggest that the problem is not your memory so much as it is your method. Remember Kevin practicing his chords? Is just knowing all these chords going to get him to Carnegie Hall? Uh Uh-uh. No, simply reading and hearing the word is not enough to get us to our goal, that destiny we're trying to reach. We need direction, discipline, methods, strategies so they don't impact us. I want you to think about reading and hearing the word as like putting a seed in your soil, the soil of your soul. But actually, meditation and memorization, meditation and memorization are like the sun and the rain that then gives that the growth. And I saw a few faces and you just said, Pastor Joel, meditation, memorization. You do realize we got finals here in a few weeks, and I'm already trying to cram my brain with so much stuff already. Why don't you just ask me to walk on broken glass? Let me ask it this way. What if I offered you $500 for every Bible verse you could memorize up until finals? That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. Anybody else be willing to memorize a Bible verse or two? Uh Uh-huh. I see. So you're talking, thinking about some major withdrawals from the bank of Pastor Joel, PJ. I bet some of your teachers get on this too, because I saw, I saw Gary looking in the back. Do you see what just happened? Our attitudes about memorization and meditation changed the moment we saw a reward in front of us. And let me just say that any reward that I could give you if I really was a millionaire would be minimal compared to if you actually got that word of God in your life going forward. Get my point? James says we need to be constantly meditating on, learning, studying the scriptures. And he says it's going to bring you blessing. I want to ask you something. When you walk out these doors, when the summer comes and you walk out and leave the school, 
do you ever think to yourself, wow, I am the most, one of the most powerful people on this planet? Here's some laughter. I measure my words very carefully. If you're a Christian believer, you have Almighty God dwelling in you. Do you believe that? That makes you the most powerful person walking on the planet, each and every one of us. And all the Spirit needs to make that power evident in our world is ammunition. Ammunition. Remember Matthew 4, Jesus, the Spirit comes down. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's driven out in the wilderness to face the greatest enemy on planet Earth. This evil, supernatural, cosmic force named Satan. How does Jesus, filled with the Spirit, defeat Satan? With the Word of God. He quotes Scripture at Satan again and again and defeats Satan. Having Scripture at the ready is what we need when we fight against sin, when we fight against the devil. How do we become doers of the Word and fight temptation? How do we live wisely in a world that's just so complex, right? We stock up. We memorize verses. We get it in us. And over time, you will find yourself prepared for all kinds of situations you never thought you could have handled before. Or, you will find freedom. Freedom. You notice James called it the perfect law of liberty? And you might be willing to go halfway with me. Yeah, God's law is perfect. I can agree to that. But liberty and law? How many feel like laws give you liberty? I'm away here. I saw... A speed limit sign says, Pastor Joel, keep it under 50. And it kind of felt like it was restricting me, you know, because I want to give it the gas. Actually, uh-huh, actually, that's a very good law. And good laws do give you freedom. Because you know what? I'm not taking my wife out on a date tonight if there aren't any speed limit laws. Because I know how many wannabe NASCAR drivers are out there, right? Uh-huh. Do you see how living in God's world, according to his laws, they actually create freedom for us so I can go and take my wife out tonight for a date? Yeah, that's sweet, isn't it? I'll add one more thing. The law shows us our goal. Remember, Kevin, looking forward into the future? How many of you memorized the Ten Commandments? Uh-huh. Yeah. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall not lie. How many of you got aced the, the Ten Commandments in your lives? Yeah, you've seen enough great comfort. You know <laughs> none of us have done that. But it's all future tense. You shall. There's one day you'll be able to love God as much as you truly want to. There'll be one day when you'll be unable to lie. That is pointing us. The law actually shows us our forward path. And one day, we will be like Jesus. I know it's coming close to end here. Give me two more minutes. That's the two-minute warning. Think of God's word like a tea bag, and place it in hot water. And if you take it out right away, is there going to be any flavor in your life? No. But if you let it soak, if you let it saturate, you'll have much. It ends with James describing giving us three tests of pure religion, and he's pointing us to the Father. Well, think about how it connects. In fact, I'll invite you to meditate on that. 
How are these three tests of pure religion actually pointing back to the Father of Lights that this passage started off with? If, in fact, you are a child of God, you're going to begin to look more like his child, his own son who came. And that is the goal towards which we're all striving. So I want to encourage you all to take seriously the soul that God has given you, the new life he's given, and continue to take in the word, the word of life. Begin to ask questions of it. Because if you do, you will find yourself one day more glorious than you could have ever asked for or imagined. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, oh, we give you thanks and praise for sending your Son, our Lord Jesus, who has conquered sin, death, and the devil, and by his word and power, we are being made new. I ask and pray your blessing upon every one of these students who is here. I pray that they'll find new love and appreciation for your word, and I pray that your word will be sown in their hearts, that they may go out and live as those befitting those who have been made your children. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this time and your word. Continue to bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.